Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design Franchise here for this week's Embedded Executive Podcast. This week, my Embedded Executive is Paul Davis, who is the Vice President of Product Manager at Asmosic Technologies. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing great, Rich. Thanks for having me on the podcast. My pleasure. So um, this is actually about something that I think is really cool, but I'm not sure where it's going, if anywhere, and that's energy harvesting. Uh, I've been following this, but I feel like it's been like more than 10 years since we've been talking about energy harvesting. And I know there's been little examples here and there, but it has never hit the home run that it had, that had been predicted for it when it when it first came out a while back. So you, you're going to tell me I'm not reading the the news because I don't know what I'm talking about, that it's really out there all over the place. Um, tell me where it is. Where are we today with energy harvesting? Well, I think it's growing. I think we're seeing more and more applications uh, where energy harvesting makes sense. And it makes sense for a, on a number of different levels. There's uh, advances in the technology we can talk about. There's also uh, operational benefits. Um, you know, you're hearing about all these sensors and all these devices for, you know, IoT going into many places. And um, if they're battery operated, you know, you can use energy harvesting to eliminate batteries and, and battery changes. So there are operational benefits. And then there's also just the sustainability benefits, which is just, you know, batteries going into landfills and things like that. So if you can, you know, for the consumer, you can eliminate battery replacements, you know, that gives everybody, I think, a better feeling about, you know, all these different devices that they have. Okay, we we, we know the benefits, that's very clear. Let's talk about specifics. How much power are we talking about? We talk about energy harvesting. Well, so let's let's give an example of say a, a, a PV cell, a small, uh, PV cell, you know, to give you, you know, let's say on a remote control. Okay. So uh, we've seen now a couple of companies, Samsung is one that has a remote control for their TV set that has uh, roughly 12 square centimeter PV cells. So imagine, a, you know, a few postage stamp size uh, PV cell. Thank you and for that perspective. I was trying to pull out my <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, imagine, you know, a few postage stamps kind of put together uh, th that sort of size. Um, and now and you're going to use indoor light levels. So you're it, this is not like a PV cell that you're sticking outside on your roof. You know, the kind of light levels that you have around your home um, and you're going to be able to get, you know, hundreds of microwatts uh, from that uh, in in, a you know, ambient indoor light level. But to be um, clear, you're talking about solar energy. Uh, uh, well, I'm talking, yeah, yeah. I like to use the term light energy, though, because yes, you get a lot of energy from the sun when you're outdoors and the, and, you know, the lux levels are very high. But even at much lower lux levels, there are a lot of advances going on in uh, PV cell technology that are not even silicon based, where they're using. Uh, dyes and other organic materials that they can even print on flexible substrates where it's much easier to integrate it into the product. And so you don't feel like you've got a, a cell with a little window coming through the product. It's, it can be much more integrated. It looks better and it's able to harvest energy without having to stick it in a window or something like that, where you're trying to get direct sunlight. 
that's all well and good. I had the wrong vision of what energy harvesting was going to be. Like I saw some demos where people were clicking buttons and the energy generated from the clicking mm -hmm. of the button was enough to do something. And I, I understand you don't want to call solar and, and, and that's fine. Um, that's actually a plus. I think where, you, where you're going is a good thing. I just think that my definition was wrong. And I think that the general definition is not the same one that you described. Well, I think you you also, so you brought up a case that we also work with as well called, you know, mechanical energy harvesting, right? Where you say you you push a button and then that generates just a, a burst of energy coming in that's enough to send out a transmission. Um, there's also vibrational energy harvesting, which we see more in, in commercial and industrial applications where you can stick a harvesting element on, say, a motor uh, that, that's vibrating, or you know, it could even be inside of an automobile where as that device moves, that, that those small little you know, motions are actually generating a significant amount of energy. And there you can actually generate in the milliwatts uh, of energy from, from a small uh, harvester. Okay, I think so, we're getting a little off off track, though. Where where do we, or maybe we're not? Do we is is that all under the banerji of the banerji, uh, the, the banner of energy harvesting? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The okay. the way we look at uh, energy harvesting at at Mossic is. Um, we like, you've got to worry about the source, where that harvested energy is going to come from. It could be come from light. It could come from a mechanical source. We also work with companies that build thermal energy harvesters, where if you have a heat source, say the human body, or again, a machine that's generating heat, you can extract power from that. Then you have to have a low power you know, device that's capable of using that energy and uses it very efficiently. So a lot of the advances in semiconductor technology where you can, you know, get more transmissions out of the same amount of harvested energy. And then generally you also need a storage element. So whether it's a rechargeable battery, but it could also be something more like a, a capacitor, something that, you know, where you can say you're even battery free uh, with the type of implementation that you're doing. So those are the, the three elements that have to come together. And with the technology advances in each of those areas, we're now able to put together cost-effective energy harvesting systems that don't require somebody to go out and have to change batteries or um, you know, to, to, to buy more batteries. There's nothing worse than sitting down trying to watch a movie and you know, your remote control isn't working because the batteries are dead. So is, is this productized? Boy, I hate that word. Is this in a shipping product today? Oh, absolutely. The I think the example I mentioned earlier is uh, Samsung. They have a product called the Eco Remote, which is a uh, battery-free remote control. Um, it, there is a storage element inside it that's pulling in PV energy. Uh, you've also seen this companies like Logitech for years have been shipping wireless keyboards mm -hmm. uh, that have PV cells on them so that you, you don't have to... Uh, charge up or, or replace batteries and those kind of products. I mean, I, I think, you know, you look all the way back to, you know, for, for years, there have been, you know, these desktop calculators with a small PV cell inside them. And, you know, people know enough to, oh, I want to use the calculator. They're going to put it at least, you know, under a lamp or, you know, near some sort of light source uh, to power it on. So I think the model for the technology using energy harvesting has been there. 
I think now we're seeing both the technological advances, whether it's in PV cells and semiconductors, but also the operational and the environmental benefits as well, as we have more of these devices proliferating, become something that more and more people want to use and they want to see in products. So tell me about the cost. How does it relate to, a, let, let's use your remote example, mm -hmm. the um, PV remote versus the battery remote. And I'm not talking about the remote itself, the components to do the energy harvesting versus a battery. Right, right. So you're, I would not, I'd say you're not at parity yet in terms of a non-energy harvesting versus an energy harvesting device. So there is gonna be some premium to add that PV cell. Um, also, you do have a few uh, additional, you know, uh, components in there that have to help, you know, manage the, the harvested energy coming in as well as the stored energy. But that's another area where there more, there's more and more integration happening. So where you'll have single chips that will be able to do both the remote control function and manage the energy harvesting function will all uh, be available. And, th and those, some of those parts are available today. So the incremental cost becomes small, but then if you look at the total cost to, let's say, the end user. So if I'm paying a little bit more for remote control, but I never have to change the batteries, uh, how much is that worth to me both from a, you know, not having to buy additional batteries, but also just the inconvenience of it? And this is where we see more and more in industrial and commercial applications. Let's say you've got a, a store and you're rolling out shelf labels throughout the store. So you really have thousands of devices in a, in a large department store, a, a supermarket, something like that, you don't want to have to go around and change all those batteries. So that's where that, that operational cost comes in. Maybe I pay a little bit more for each one of those little tags or devices that I've deployed. But if I never have to go send somebody out to change a battery, that's worth a lot more than the device itself. Does something like Samsung use that as a selling point? Because it's a, you know, on the box, you'll never have to change the battery in your remote. Yeah, that's that's why and it's part of the reason why they call it the eco remote, because you can actually go on their website and they talk about the sustainability of not having to, you know, it, it gets to those, you know, literally billions of batteries worldwide that we, you know, wind up in landfills every year uh, to not have to have that kind of issue. Um, you know, that's something that matters now more and more to people. So what can we expect, say, 18 months from now? What, what will be different? So I think you'll see more uh, proliferation of things like remote controls, uh, wireless keyboards, but we're also seeing it, for instance, what was just announced uh, just last month was Walmart is going to be putting in these electronic shelf labels in their stores in North America. And they're actually gonna be using a, a technology to harvest light to be able to power those shelf labels uh, in their stores. So, you know, it, it won't be something that might be blatantly obvious uh, to people, but I think if you know what to look for as you see these different devices being deployed, you'll see more and more uh, energy harvesting potential in there. I think they say the good lawyer never asks a question he doesn't know the answer to, but is that an Atmosic chip in that Walmart device? Uh, today, no, it is not. <laughs> Sorry, about um, that. but but it, there is an Atmosic chip in those Samsung remote devices. There you go. Very uh, good. So, <laughs> um, 
Yes. So we, we have quite a bit of experience in this area and delivering products uh, for both consumers, but also in some other uh, commercial and industrial products. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. It, this has been very educational for me. It certainly opened the scope of what I thought energy harvesting was and what it is. And the future is brighter than I thought it was going to be. Uh, thank you, Rich. It's great talking to you. That was Paul Davis, the Vice President of Product Manage Product Management at, at Mosic Technologies, and I'm Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.